Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new edition of My Old Kentucky Podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and joining me is nobody. I'm here all by myself. Uh, we, Jasmine's out this week. I'm not quite sure where she is, but she's somewhere important, I'm sure. I just spoke with Robert Saint, who is the Democratic candidate in the 28th Senate District. There's a special election in that area going on in May. It'll happen on primary day. That district is in, is part of Fayette County. It, it goes into Clark County, Montgomery County, Bath County, Menifee County. I believe that's all of them. I, there, there might be one another one that snuck in there, uh, but it is Ralph Alvarado's old district. Of course, you know, Senator Alvarado, former Senator Alvarado was reelected in November of 2022, and then promptly resigned, uh, meaning that the folks there in the 28th district had no representation all of this session uh, and are just now getting uh, a special election in place. That was, it would be called by Robert Stivers because the resignation technically happened during the session. Um, So, you know, we talked a little bit about that with Mr. Saint. Um, We also talked to him about why he's running the issues that animate him, uh, his campaign, how that's going. And, you know, it was a a candidate interview. If you listen to the show, you know what that is like. So we we're really happy to have him on the show. Really good to hear from him. Really glad to hear that he's stepping up and doing this job, uh, running in this race. And yeah, if you live in that area, definitely check him out. Definitely see what you can do to help. He seems like a really great candidate, really great guy. So um, best of luck to him and the rest of uh, his campaign. Uh, in Before we get to that interview, though, we do have a couple of short segments. Uh, not, not too long because it's just me speaking. We have been kind of checking in on the GOP primary for governor each week after the session. You know, the, the, there isn't a lot of time between the end of the session and the primary. So we're just kind of checking in. I right, talk a little bit about one poll that was released, a public poll, uh, which was told a pretty interesting story. Uh, the Southern Kentucky Lincoln Day dinner there in Bowling Green occurred last week as well. And everybody gave speeches. So talk very briefly about that. And then also, you know, we had another mass shooting here in Louisville. We talked about the one at Old National Bank last week, of course, is a huge tragedy weighed very heavily on the folks here in this community and we had another one um, in Chickasaw Park which is in West Louisville um, you know two people were killed for their shot so I have just a, a segment about that and uh, kind of the, the reaction that some of the leaders here locally are having and, and, and what you know we're going to do about this it's an untenable situation but I mean I guess we've lived with it for a very long time um, and I just certainly hope that we're going to find a way through it, find a way to, to resolve some of this, to at least put some strategies in place that will help to curb some of the violence, some of the killing that's been happening here in Louisville. All right. So let's start by talking a little bit about the polls and the speeches there in the GOP primary for governor. So like I mentioned last week, Jasmine talked about where things stood with the GOP primary. Um, and, and really, things have kind of started heating up. And this week, we kind of got our first poll in, in a while. I think the, the last kind of big public poll was back in January. So just like in previous polls, Daniel Cameron was leading. However, the margin between him and Kelly Craft was a lot closer than we'd seen. In the Emerson College poll that was released last week, Cameron had 30% and Kelly Craft had 24%. That's only a 6% gap. Ryan Quarles was in third place with 15%, you know, 9% behind Kelly Craft. And then Eric Dieters was actually in fourth with 6%, and Alan Keck did not even break 1%. 0.6% is what he had. I think the most interesting thing to me was that in that poll, 20% of voters remain undecided even just a month out from the primary. It certainly does feel as though Kelly Craft is closing in on Daniel Cameron. You know, 
since it's different pollsters, it doesn't really make sense to compare directly. But that Mason-Dixon poll back in January did show Daniel Cameron leaning 39 to 13%. That's a much more significant lead, more than 20 points. And that poll, 28% were undecided. Um, You know, again, it's not exactly apples to apples, but it does seem like that the race has tightened since January. That That is what this poll seems to be pointing to. Kelly Craft has, of course, been on the airwaves. A pack that's supporting her has been on the airwaves waves comparing daniel cameron to a teddy bear she's kind of attacked him directly trying to take him down directly and you know again i would not compare these polls directly but i would not be surprised if it was in fact the case that some of the the just kind of default support for daniel cameron as somebody with high name recognition uh, who is a constitutional officer already uh, isn't hasn't shifted to kelly craft um, as she has compared him to a teddy bear um, yeah that that is where we're at with that poll it does seem like we are looking at a much closer race than we were even just last week Okay, so the candidates themselves were, in fact, on a stage last week all together. Even if they were there separately, they spoke separately. It wasn't a debate. It was a series of speeches, and that was in Bowling Green for the Southern Kentucky Lincoln Day Dinner. So Mike Harmon and Alan Keck were there. I mean, everybody was basically there. I don't think Eric Dieters was there, but just about everybody else was there. Mike Harmon and Alan Keck, um, who are kind of, you know, the the, the guys who are there for a good time. Uh, I don't think they, either one has a good chance to win, but they both represent different and important constituencies to the Republican Party. Um, and they kind of, you know, they, they, they had some lighter banter. They were deferential to their better-funded opponents. Uh, Alan Keck said he was among a field of giants, uh, and, and Auditor Harmon was sure to say that any of the Republican candidates would be better than Andy Bashir. So, you know, they weren't really attacking anybody, not really going after anybody, kind of just, we're just, we were just glad to be invited, and that seemed to be the vibe that they were giving off for sure. Ryan Quarles spent his time attacking Governor Bashir, hammering on Bashir's attempts to keep people safe during the pandemic. I guess he's not a fan of that. Uh, he said that he would have kept things open for longer. So he's really focused in on Andy Bashir's pandemic era, you know, era policies that are kind of in the rearview mirror, I think, for most people. You either liked him or you didn't, but we're not really in that world anymore. Um, so that that's that. Um, Kelly Craft stayed pretty much on script. Uh, she said she was going to dismantle the Department of Education, something that she's been saying just about at every public appearance for, uh, you know, a, a quite a long time, several months at this point, kind of since she retooled her campaign. And, uh, you know, she also talked about the southern border, I, you know, with Mexico. Uh, I don't I still don't really understand why that is an issue in the Kentucky gubernatorial campaign. Maybe there are some polling that said border issues are important in the that, that she's seen i don't know um but but she has talked about it pretty consistently i doesn't even though it doesn't make sense to me i'm not a republican primary voter so i guess it wouldn't um you know we've i've i've mocked it so i have a lot of people but you know who knows who knows she has stuck with that line of attack though she has stuck with that line uh in her speeches and that's what she talked about in bowling green last week uh daniel cameron i believe was the last person to speak he he spoke about his record as attorney general suing the governor which you know that is exactly what andy Bashir did when he was running back in 2019 talking about his you know a record as attorney general suing governor bevan and you know uh, daniel cameron talked about suing over pandemic restrictions and abortion restrictions those are kind of the main issues he he honed in on um he didn't go after kelly craft um he didn't go after anybody he just mostly talked about his record and uh, i i still think that while this was a big event a lot of people 
spoke who were running for office not a lot of fireworks not a lot of dynamic stuff happening just kind of people sticking to the script um and given that poll it seems like kelly Kraft is coming up and we will see if there's enough time left in the race for her to actually catch daniel cameron who who seems content to try to run out the clock so that's kind of the situation we find ourselves in we will be paying attention things may shift daniel cameron may wake up from his stupor and realize he's he's being attacked called a teddy bear and everything uh got given an aclu button by kelly craft and and started saying stuff about her and and maybe not We'll, we'll we'll be tracking to see how that all happens so, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if things got a lot more messy towards the end, and we will be here to pay attention to all of it. Okay, I'm going to transition now to talking about guns in Louisville. Um, yeah, like I mentioned at the top of the show, there. while we already had talked about a horrific mass shooting in Louisville last week at the old National Bank that killed you know, five people, this week there's been another. In Chickasaw Park, two people were killed and four others were shot on the 15th of April this weekend. Chickasaw Park, if you are not familiar with Louisville, is in the Chickasaw neighborhood in Louisville's West End. That's like south of Shawnee, north of Valley Station. Uh, The park is along the Ohio River. It's a really beautiful park, really nice place um, to relax, to have a nice evening, and that was really horribly interrupted. I think there were several hundred people in the park, was what uh, the report said when the shooting occurred. Um, that's really scary. Mayor Green. Oh yeah. One other thing is no arrests have been made in the shooting. Uh, you know, that that's something else that we can kind of get into the relationship between the folks that live in the West End and the police is, um, you know, fraught. We've been talking about that for years. Um, and yeah, there, there is, there haven't been any arrests made in, in this really horrific shooting. Um, Mayor Greenberg and other local leaders were present in the days following the shooting. Uh, Here's a quote from Mayor Greenberg. Regardless of whether people are killed by gun violence in a mass shooting at a bank, at a mass shooting at a park, at an individual shooting on a street corner, at a church or a school or anywhere else, every act of gun violence is tragic and unacceptable. That's his quote. He also said that the city would be taking steps to curb gun violence, but didn't come out with any specific plan or anything yet. Um, it does seem like that this this item is going to be higher up on his priority list than maybe he presumed. You know, gun violence is something that has touched his campaign since the beginning, having been a you know a victim of a shooting, um, somebody shooting at him during his campaign, and and just continuing into his first year as mayor. The shootings have opened up, I think, other debates, I think it's fair to say, about how to curb gun violence that go beyond just gun control. Um, the Courier-Journal had a really nice article that quoted several Metro Council members. Uh, they, they talked about ideas like more witness protection, more work with informants, and requiring gun owners to be licensed. Um, you know, those were kind of different ideas beyond just, like, restricting the sale of guns, restricting access to guns. You know, maybe maybe the licensing is gun control. I, I That seems a little silly to me. We have to have a license to drive, and we don't call it car control. But, you know, that, that may be an impingement on people's ability to own and maintain guns, and people are mad about it. That certainly seems to be the case. But, yeah, I mean, I think just expanding the debate to any kind of strategies that might have some sort of crossover appeal is is really important. You know, I still just don't think Republicans are interested in helping Louisville in any kind of way, uh, any kind of meaningful way, even though we're facing really crisis levels of, um, of gun violence in the city. And, uh, 
you know, it's, it is kind of, I feel like up to the Metro government to try to solve these problems, uh, with the tools that the state government will allow us to have, which do not rise to the level of being able to restrict access to guns, unfortunately. Um, so I do, I do appreciate that Courier Journal article that, that talked about different ideas beyond it. Um, a lot of the stuff, um, you know, the witness protection stuff and, uh, you know, and, and the working with informants, those are strategies that have been implemented in the past effectively, um, for whatever reason, they're expensive, you know, I know they're expensive and, and they do kind of fall prey to budget cuts a lot, but, you know, I think it's probably worth it to keep, uh, some of this violence down, uh, especially, um, in, in the, uh, with the lack of the ability of the police office to, to kind of close, um, a lot of the murders that have occurred. Um, there have been some calls for Governor Bashir to call the legislature back into session to address gun violence. You know, in my opinion, the legislature has only shown interest in loosening gun laws over the past several years. I don't know. If you ask me, the less time the legislature can spend on this issue, the better. Um, they have shown no interest whatsoever in helping Louisville. Um, they have shown no interest whatsoever in doing anything meaningful about rampant gun violence and rampant gun, you know, just the number of guns on the street in in the state. Uh, and, and, you know, that does, that's just not on their list of things to do. I, I think that they don't mind to see Louisville suffer. That certainly seems to be the way that it has felt over the past several years um, with, with the relationship between Louisville and Frankfurt. So, um, you know, I don't think that the state legislature is going to feel any shame voting down any kind of gun control bill. It wouldn't even probably make it to committee. They would just kind of sit there and stare at each other while in session until they adjourned. So, and I don't think they would feel any shame. I don't feel like they would pay a price with their constituents. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see this being an effective strategy whatsoever. Uh, using the legislature is just, doesn't seem, doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Um, you know, it's, it's been a really difficult year here in Louisville. There've been more than 50 homicides already. Um, that's a lot. You know, we have set many records in recent years for the number of murders. And, and it seems like we may be headed that way again in 2023. Um, the whole city's attention, though, does seem to be turned towards doing something about this violence. But of course, the city is pretty hamstrung with what they're able to do, um, given the state's proclivity to just protect gun rights above just about anything else. So, you know, like I mentioned, there are some strategies that are being discussed. I certainly hope they get the attention they deserve. I, cer I certainly hope they get the money uh, that they need to, to become effective because we are just seeing an unacceptable amount of gun violence and we have for several years. And I certainly hope that we're able to do something about that and, um, and, and, and you know, the, the near future we will see how our leaders respond i do feel like a lot of people are watching this issue issue though so um I, I certainly hope that something good can happen soon okay those are the two segments that i really had to talk about this uh today and during this show um so let's go ahead and get to my interview with robert saint robert saint is the democratic candidate for the special election in the 28th senate district uh, this district had no representation in the 2023 legislative session as Ralph Alvarado resigned to take a job in Tennessee almost immediately after being reelected, and Senate President Robert Stivers did not call for a special election during the session. Mr. Saint is from Clark County uh, and is an engineer who would like to focus on health care, the economy, and public education if elected. So, Robert Saint, welcome to my old Kentucky podcast. 
Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're very happy to have you. So so special elections are, are a unique <laughs> experience. I mean, probably everywhere, but in Kentucky especially. So tell us a little bit about the story. How do you find yourself on the ballot here uh, in an election in May? Well, <clears throat> two days before the cutoff date, Robert, nobody had signed up to run against the Republican candidate. So I had been watching and watching and hoped that, you know, some young talented person would step up and ask for the nomination, but that didn't happen. So two days before the cutoff date, I threw my hat in the ring and I got the nomination. And that's how I got here. Uh, I was very, very concerned. I have, uh, my wife and I have been married for 25 years. We have uh, four girls and a boy and four granddaughters and four grandsons. Oh, wow. And so I've always been very, very concerned about my daughters and my wife. And then you add four baby girls to the mix and see what's going on in Kentucky. And I just felt obligated to do this because I can. Yeah. that That's a... And I'm not <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that that that's such an interesting story. I, I mean, I, I'm here in, in, in Louisville, of course, and you know, people trip over themselves to to run as Democrats in 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 the city, um, and that's not really the case in the rest of Kentucky, especially in a place like the 28th Senate District. It sounds like, uh, since you know, nobody threw their hat in the ring. So, what what does that tell you, kind of about um the where where you're at? You know, um you you know you're 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 running your candidate. What why did you um why did you want to do this? I mean, you said you know you waited till the end. You felt like you had to for your your wife your 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 daughters your your granddaughters and everything but uh you know what 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 do you think that that says um that you know it took so long and and uh for this to materialize like how how does that make you feel and and what does that what does that tell you about about this process well the two things that stood out to me is you know we were halfway through the the session when i threw my hat in the ring and there were horrible things going on, you know, uh, gun laws that Trump federal gun laws, that blah, blah, blah. And, uh, everybody that I talked to, uh, wouldn't really step up and say, well, yeah, this is the way it is. And somebody should do something about it. And people here in, in Clark County, at least that are longtime Democrats and, and have offices, uh, they wouldn't talk to me and they wouldn't let me take a picture with them because they didn't want that evidence out there because, you know, the physical court approves their budgets. Uh, so, uh, I was just dumbfounded and, uh, I have a, you know, a very cushy life. I have a, a nice business and I've got a nice home and my home's in a gated community and it's five minutes away from the shop and vice versa. So, uh, I was really thinking about retiring next year, but now I'm going to be a senator. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I, I like to hear that story uh, because it does kind of reiterate to me the fact that there are a lot of people that believe, you know, and, and you know, they they believe in the Democratic values that, that the Democratic Party likes to espouse. But, but you know, for whatever reason, there's a lot of fear that, that goes around in here. And it's always good to have somebody step up, you know, that that's that's good to have. Um, but it is also good to know that there's people that are feeling that way, even if they don't necessarily feel as comfortable about saying it outside of the ballot box, maybe. And, and that, yeah. Yeah, 
and and that that kind of leads me to a question, which is to say, you know, like a lot of seats in the Kentucky legislature, you know, as they've been redrawn recently, the 28th Senate District has voted Republican most of the time in the past. But this is one of the more competitive districts in the state legislature, in, in the Senate especially. Um, it voted no on both Amendments 1 and 2 last year Correct. by pretty hefty margins. It wasn't even really all that close uh, on either one of those amendments. And it voted for Governor Bashir in, in 2019 as well. I mean, even somebody with a D by their name, even if it was Governor Bashir. So, so I mean, uh, you already shared a little bit about it, but can you tell us a little bit about the political identity in, in the 28th District, what you've kind of learned and, and what you already knew about how people feel about the uh, the Democratic Party and, and whether or not they'd be willing to vote for a Democrat for Senate? Well, We've been around. We had a focus group initially, initially, and uh, we've been around the the district. Uh, we campaigned in uh, Frenchburg on Saturday, uh, talked to uh, over a hundred people, and mostly what we figured out is is that number one, most people aren't far right or far left. So most us ordinary people were somewhere in the middle. And the politics in Frankfurt don't satisfy any of the needs or wants of ordinary people. So reproductive rights and picking on trans kids and, you know, all, all the mischief that's happened uh, didn't do anything for the people of the district. And, and they're, they are uh, afraid that we're slipping down that slippery slope. To total radicalism, and I can honestly see how that could happen. Yeah, uh, I mean, it certainly seems like it's it started for sure, and, and it is. I, I would agree with that totally. I mean, even in a place that seems as you know far left, I guess, is in the eyes of a lot of places, is uh, as you know the Highlands and Louisville. Um, you know, most people don't feel like uh, their their needs are being well served by the legislature uh, at, at all. And I mean, I think most people are pretty much straight down the line and they care much more about stuff like the economy and healthcare than they do about a lot of these social issues. Most most people I meet in Kentucky just want to be left alone to do what they want to do and don't think the government has any role in all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, that that's good to hear that that's, that's probably how, how folks feel, uh, you know, even even outside of uh, the urban areas, that which is where, where you're running. Um, one of the, right. yeah. One of the unique things about District 28 is that it had no representation in the 2023 session. Um, you know, it seemed highly planned by the Republicans that former Senator Alvarado ran and then immediately resigned. Um, so, I, I mean, this is something that we've been tracking, but obviously we're not there on the ground there. How has that story kind of resonated in the district? Is it something people know about? Is it something that they care about? How is this getting talked about there uh, in your area? Well, it doesn't seem like a lot of people knew about it, but the people who pay attention uh, said words like carefully crafted conspiracy, uh, things like that. You know, I am not a conspiracy theorist, but it sure looks bad. Um, the other thing is, is that, uh, you know, it's like as recently as last week, uh, there was a lady that sent me an email and said that that day that she had learned that there was a Democratic candidate. So if you don't watch the news and if you don't pay attention to the uh, local Democratic Party, uh, stuff doesn't get out. So we did something about that. And then, uh, you know, they're just not 
cohesive connections between the counties. So, you know, it very slowly passes from Fayette to Clark and then from Clark to Montgomery. And now they're trying to get a Democratic uh, committee going in Bath County and Owingsville and likewise in, in Frenchburg. But the the sheer amount of inadequate and totally wrong uh, information that's pushed to people. Uh, we met a lady at the library in Frenchburg and she was talking about, you know, why would I vote for you and so on and so forth. And then she told me a story about her brother who takes half doses of insulin because he can't afford the insulin and food. And I said, ma'am, I said, effective the 1st of February, I said, your brother, if he's on Medicare or Medicaid, I said, he can get insulin for $35. And she goes, what? So I told her, I said, just ask his physician. I said, you know, just get, get him on the train there. And so, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, disinformation, you know, it's just, and lack of, of information. You know, I'm sure that somebody knew that he was eligible for the Medicaid price for insulin, but they didn't bother to tell her. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, that total disconnect from, oh, my neighbor needs insulin. Uh, it's scary. Yeah. It's just really scary. Yeah, it is. And it, it and almost, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it feels like, you know, maybe because healthcare or because insulin or because whatever, those are democratic issues in the representation in that area is more Republican people don't. Uh, the, the representatives who are responsible, I think, in a lot of ways of bringing the information about the government to the people uh, as they pass things in Frankfurt or in uh, Washington, D.C., you know, they're, they're responsible for making sure that information makes it to their constituents. It doesn't make it there for whatever reason. And that's really unfortunate. Um, a lot of people suffering that don't need to. Um, exactly. Yeah, you you did mention uh, all the different places inside of this district, and it is a very unique district. So you're there in Clark County, there in Winchester, and you know you you reach into to Fayette County. You have some some of the area there in Fayette County, but it goes all the way east into Menifee County. Where I, you know that's Frenchburg, right? And that's a yeah. right. And and so that you know that's a urban area. That's that's agricultural area. That's uh, getting into Appalachia. You know, that's that's starting to get into the, the foothills there of Appalachia. So there's a lot of different kind of regional identities that stretch all the way across this district. And it sounds like you've been going out to all those places. And, and I would really like to hear kind of um, how, how it is running in all those different kinds of places, how it is uh, being exposed to the politics of all those different places and how, how uh, the diversity kind of just in the geographic area or whatever inside of that district has has makes it kind of an interesting uh, district uh, for you to run in. Yeah, you know it's just uh, I hate to use the word heartbreaking, but that was the way I felt. You know, you, the the poverty. You know, the 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 pockets of of deep poverty. Not we're not talking about uh, missing a car payment or something. We're talking about people who are food insecure. And people who have no way of getting in and out of the places, and they're you know they're good people and they're afraid and and they're worried about their jobs and they're worried about insurance and they're worried about their kids in school and all the things that other people worry about. Except that it's a, a more desperate situation because uh, most of the people that I talked to thought that you know that. Uh, this is how it is. And I said, well, that might be how it is, 
that this is how it could be. And people just need to stand up and say, this isn't right. And the best way to do that is to vote. It resonated with people. I was really surprised how how uh, cordial they were and how they were anxious to talk to me and that kind of stuff. So the, the people in, in uh, Menifee County were, were especially nice and uh, especially attentive. And I think that we had a very, very good day in Sharpsburg, or I'm Frenchburg, sorry. And uh, both of my uh, opposition were there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody was beating the bushes trying to get votes in, yeah. in Menifee County. But I thought we did very well. Mm-hmm. Well, it is good to hear that you're going out to all those different places because I do think, you know, campaigning in a lot of these special elections is is a bit of a struggle. You know, we had one in my Senate district and, and uh, it was tough, you know, getting people to, to realize even in a, a very politically active area that, that, you know, we have a special election that's going on and all this kind of stuff and getting people informed is is tough. Uh, it, you know, yeah. and especially, you know, given that we, you know, we do have the primary for uh, for, for the, the, the state constitutional offices going on at the same time. But it is, you know, it isn't like normal political time for a lot of people. It's not a presidential election. It's not even a midterm election. Uh, people people aren't always focused on politics and in, in, in May of, of 2023, for sure. Yeah. Um, so so I well, am yeah, interested in, you know, you, you've talked about going to all these places. But but uh, what are you what's your campaign doing to try to activate those voters uh, across the whole district? Well, uh, we're just trying to. Get by, you know, the economy is really tough right now, and uh, so we have to run a really lean campaign. So I'm not funded like my two opponents. And rather than spending our time at house parties with wealthy donors, we're out engaging in communities in the district to find out what resonates with the people. And the people want what they're not getting from the Republicans, you know, uh, that steady diet of pro-life and pro-guns really doesn't do anything for the people in, in this district. Um, you can't eat them, you know, uh, you can't raise them, you you, you can't drive them. Uh, so, you know, it's just, uh, they're, they're hungry for change. Yeah. Yeah. And the legislature has already activated uh, a lot of folks for me by forcing them through a radical hardline agenda, Mm -hmm. you know, so here comes somebody that isn't talking radical, hardcore agenda. And so they're, you know, they're anxious to talk to me and I really think that they will vote for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, that is kind of one of the things that I've noticed in most special elections, the hardest, like, the, you, you know, you're getting your voters to the polls is really what it takes because there's there's usually pretty low turnout and, <clears throat> and there's enough Democrats or Republicans in these areas where if you get them to turn out, um, you know, you, you, you can you can make a big dent. You can make a big surprise. Um, so, you sure? yeah, absolutely. Um, you turn on vote. My team is phone and text canvassing and writing postcards and coordinating volunteers that go out on uh, Saturdays with uh, a list and uh, a turf and uh, their campaign door kids. And, you know, that's you got to knock on doors and you got to talk to people. That's what it is. That is certainly what it is. 
Um, so you you expressed some some confidence there at the beginning of the interview, saying you know you're not going to be retired, you're going to be a senator. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, you know, if you if you are elected, um, what are the main issues that you want to focus on? I took a look at your website. You know, you, uh, I had healthcare, the economy, and public education listed there. Um, but what are the issues that are the most important to you? What is the reason that you want to be a senator? Well, I think that my my uh, list has shifted uh, because every place we go. The main topic of interest, especially uh, among the women that are between the ages of 20 and 45, is reproductive rights. And, you know, restoring and protecting them after they're restored uh, has now creeped to the top of my list. It's just, uh, you know, it's a total overreach by the government. And a government that can pass a law that trumps federal laws where guns are associated, you know, certainly they can pass a law that trumps federal law about abortion rights. And, you know, they're going to need a lot of pushback to make that happen. And that's how we're going to do. We're organizing people to push back. Charter schools, this, this threat of charter schools uh, makes me nauseous. Uh, you know, being able to bleed the public education system for people of privilege who want their kids in a charter school is just ridiculous. And, 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 you know, I was a public school guy, you know, and public schools are needed because most people aren't in a position where they can afford to send their children to a private school or a charter school. So absolutely no charter schools on my watch. And this, harmful legislation that was forced through the last session. Uh, trans kids, really, deciding that the Senate has a right to determine how uh, parents who have a child that's in, in gender crisis handles that. That's a, another huge overreach. Uh, and the only solution to that is to elect some more Democratic senators. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm glad to hear you say all that. Um, it's always good to have people running on the Democratic ticket who believe in the Democratic Party message. So uh, it is good to hear you say all of those things. I do think that those are really core uh, I, you know, pieces to, to why I care about politics. And I'm certainly glad to hear, hear you say that as, as you're running in this race. Um, yeah. And, and we, we definitely need more voices to, to add to the ones that we have there now, uh, because they are a small, uh, a mighty, but small caucus and getting a little bit bigger would make a big, big difference. Um, you, you talked already a little bit about some of the issues. I mean, you talked about SB 150, the anti-trans legislation, taking a lot of the, the decisions out of the hands of parents and putting them into the legislature. Um, um, around around trans kids, but I mean, there was a lot of stuff that happened in the 2023 legislative session. Are there any other pieces of, of uh, how the Senate dealt with that session that you'd like to comment on uh, as you seek to join that chamber? Yeah, uh, let's talk about statewide gambling. Uh, statewide gambling should have been a referendum. And the reason it wasn't a referendum, Robert, is because they knew that a referendum would fail. And the racetracks are, you know, they're hardy contributors to people's campaigns. And just all of a sudden, boom, statewide gambling. That's bad enough. But then they had to take the punitive action of saying, oh, 
no more game machines in mom and pop shops and country stores and sports bars. And come December 31st, you got to give the machines away. That's just plain punitive. Like the racetracks aren't going to get enough money with what they passed with this statewide betting that they got to take the two or three hundred dollars of income that people have off of the the game machines. They got to take that too. It's an abomination. It just shows you the total disconnect between the politicians in Frankfurt and their constituents. I'm not sure some of them even know they have constituents, <laughs> except when it's time to get elected. Uh, yeah, the 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 people that the uh, folks in Frankfurt tend to listen to um, are typically the biggest industries, and it is uh, if we have any movement on gaming, it's usually with the permission of uh, the racetracks. That certainly is the way it has yeah. worked in the past, for sure. Um, okay, so you already mentioned that you are doing some work out in the field. You're doing door knocking, you're doing texting, you're doing postcards. If if people live in the district, or even if they don't, and they want to help, they want to see what they can do to get another Democratic senator elected uh, in, in our state Senate, um, how can they join your campaign? How can they learn more about you? They can go to my website and sign up and volunteer to help. Uh, they can contribute financially if they have a few extra dollars. And they go to sainfordkentucky.com and they can see all about me and you know if they want to let us put a yard sign in their yard and all the things that help with our visibility uh the the friends of the republican candidate put a a huge billboard up downtown for him uh you know he doesn't have to do anything they raise all of his money and he just needs to walk around and look proud so <laughs> well uh, that does make for a good senator. I think the best thing for a senator is getting out to know their people. So it uh, seems like you're already in, in, in uh, the throes of that right now in the midst of the campaign. So Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. Well, well Robert Saint, thank you very much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, you can find us on the internet at my old KY Pod on Facebook and Twitter. You know, we have uh, a newsletter that we update occasionally. It's at tinyletter.com slash my old Kentucky newsletter. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash my old Kentucky podcast. Um, you know, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. That really helps us out. So please, if you've been thinking about it, just just go and do it. It would mean a lot to me and Jasmine. So please, please do. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm not super great at the outro. I so I hope I didn't forget anything important. Uh, that has been this week's show. We will see you all Spend next all week. My money on whiskey.